Who is always early? Hands up. Come on, let's look at you. You're always early. Take a good look at those with their hands up. How does it, how does it make you feel? Okay, who's always late? Come on, you know who you are. Those of you who are early, how do you feel about those who are always late? Hands up if you're always just on time. Keep your hands up if you are lying through your teeth. This morning we're thinking about the way God is always on time. You'd expect him to be really. He created the thing after all. And he spins this world at just the right speed. And he sets the world in orbit at just the right pace. So it is no surprise in the dealings of men and women that timing is important to God. In a book tucked in the middle of the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes, it says that God makes everything beautiful. Uh, have you read the Bible? There's an Old Testament, a New Testament. You've read this bit? God makes everything beautiful. Beautiful in its time. Uh, all through this autumn, we're looking at the life of Joseph. Only seemed fair to inflict it on all of you uh, because we would have suffered it together uh, had we been on our own. Uh, and we're seeing in the life of Joseph that God had a plan that he was going to take an ordinary man and despite the mess up of his background, despite the hatred of his brothers, despite all kinds of opposition, God was going to take him and at the perfect moment and at the right time, he was going to place him with an opportunity of perfect influence for his kingdom. So Joseph would come from nowhere to end up somewhere in order to influence things for God's kingdom. And the Bible says that as a result, many people were saved. In a sense, that's what God wants to do with all of our lives. To take us from what we might feel like is nowhere and to place us somewhere that our influence might be great for his kingdom. Does something in your heart skip a little at the thought that God might place you somewhere to be significant for his kingdom. That's the journey of Joseph. And he would have to navigate, as we've been traveling, all kinds of things to get there. He would have to survive the hatred of his family, survive the dungeon of the pit, survive the temptation of Mrs. Potiphar's bedroom, survive the injustice, as we heard some moments ago, of being thrown into prison. And today, as we look at the story, Joseph, in order to get to that place that God ultimately had for him, would have to survive what we can only describe as the long wait. It would happen... Ah, thank you. It would happen, not in Pharaoh's time, not in Mrs. Potiphar's time, it would happen not even in Joseph's time. But at the appointed time, at God's chosen time, Joseph would smack into that purpose that God had for him. And as the Bible says, and it's kind of just an understatement, and many 
in the world were saved. So he's chucked into prison, as we heard unfairly. He's hoping that uh, he'll soon get out. Uh, a couple of other guys are chucked into prison as well, the baker and the cupbearer. Uh, we're not sure what they'd done wrong, if they'd done anything wrong. Pharaoh couldn't decide if they'd done something wrong or which one had done something wrong. So he put both of them in prison just for good measure. Uh, and it turns out through the dreams that Joseph interprets the dreams and the baker loses his head and the cupbearer gets reinstated. And as the cupbearer gets reinstated, Joseph says to the cupbearer, when you get back to Pharaoh, please will you remember me? And the cupbearer forgets. The cupbearer forgets. And so it's like a double whammy for poor Joseph. He's there unjustly, and then the cupbearer abandons him. And you can hear in some of those verses in chapter 40 the agony of Joseph's predicament. When all goes well, he says, remember me, verse 12, sorry, verse 14 of Genesis 40, and show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in this dungeon. He's frustrated. Frustrated with where he is. Frustrated with how he got there. Frustrated that God's not got him out of it yet. Anyone know that feeling? And he lives with the disappointment that he's stuck in this place, having to wait for how long, who knows. And maybe some of us this morning were stuck in that waiting period as, ah, as much as I try, I can't escape it, I can't get out of it, I'm stuck here, I don't know what for how long I'm stuck here, I'm losing sight of what God's purpose is for me here. And what God speaks to us through Joseph this morning is this. When you're forced to wait, how do you, first slide, wait well? How do you handle the disappointment of delay? Let's go to the first slide. How do you wait well? Waiting sucks, doesn't it? No one likes waiting. Cues Airports, buses, traffic jams don't bring out the best in people. We're not at our best when we're forced to wait. Why? Because we're the instant generation. We've done everything we can to make sure that it happens now. Express now without needing to wait, without delay, are all buzz advertising words. I can remember when we first had a microwave. Who remembers life before microwave ovens? Some of you find that remarkable, that there was life before microwave ovens. It's like when your kids say to you, how old were you when you were allowed to have a phone? 35. (laughs) I remember, though, when we first got a microwave oven, and it was fantastic, because you could make a jacket potato in... Six minutes! That was utterly groundbreaking. And we had jacket potato and jacket potato just because we could do it in six minutes. Now, it's taking 45 seconds for that whole album to download from iTunes and I want to be out the door. 
And I look at the back of the packet and I think, six minutes, I'll choose something that's only two. <laughs> because we want to speed it up. Domino's delivery man, 30 minutes, isn't it, or your money back. If you put someone at the edge of your street and push him off his moped, <laughs> every time. <laughs> but speed matters. We want it to happen now. And when someone says, wait, we say no. The God of heaven has ordained the times and the seasons so that waiting is part of the Christian journey. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. God has designed the times and the seasons so that waiting is part of the Christian journey. Abraham waited 25 years. Abraham waited 40 years. Jesus waited 30. And here Joseph settles in for the long wait. How do we wait well in the Christian life? Number one, remember God never forgets you. Let's use the next slide. God never forgets you. You see, in those waiting times, in the darkness of the dungeon, it feels like God has forgotten all about us. Anyone know what I'm talking about? In that empty, lonely place, something in our heart says, God, where are you? Where are you? And we know that in human relationships, seeing uh, is believing. There was a story of a, uh, of a couple that recently got engaged and the, the husband-to-be needed to work away for long periods of time. And he was anxious that if he was away for long periods of time, his fiance would forget about him. So he wrote to her every single day. Two years later, the wedding came. She married the postman. But it's different with God, so different. In those moments when he feels a long way away, the truth of Scripture, the truth of our own experience, is that God is closer than we think. He's closer than we think. And the trouble, I don't know, with waiting is that you wait for one thing and before you've, that's been resolved, something else comes. And I've got this picture this morning to share with you. I don't know how it might relate to some of you, but it's, you're a swimmer or you're a surfer and uh, you're, you're in the water and, and a big wave, an unexpected big wave comes and smacks against you and you're winded and you go under the water and you're not sure which way's up and you're thrashing in the water and eventually as your lungs are getting hot, you lift your head up <gasps> to breathe a breath and another wave comes and you're under again, thrashing under the water and you haven't recovered from the first time. There's hardly any air in your lungs and they're burning now and up you come again just in time and maybe that happens three or four times and then on the fourth time you lift up your head and you're braced for it to come again and nothing happens and you open your eyes and the sea is still and the waves have passed and you realize that God is still 
there. Hallelujah. God is still there. He never forgets you. And in the agony of waiting today, maybe some of us just need to know that there's a God in heaven who remembers us. Secondly, remember God has plans for you in the waiting. In the waiting. It's so easy, isn't it, in a waiting season to be longing for it to be over. To be thinking all the time about when it finishes, when I'm through this, when this is done, when this season is out the way, then, 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 then. And for some of us, there's an invitation today in the midst of our waiting season not to keep looking to when it's over, but an invitation by the Spirit just to look around. You see, if I'd have been Joseph, I would have sat in the corner of that prison cell and I would have sulked. Because that, quite frankly, is what God deserved. But he doesn't. He's immediately true to the calling that God has already placed on his life. He's immediately looking around, seeing what he can do, knowing that the Lord is with him. He's reaching out. The warder recognizes his his quality of service and soon he's elevated to be put in charge of the whole prison. A waiting time doesn't need to be a waste of time. We can't see sometimes in those moments. We have no energy sometimes in those moments. We're not interested in those moments. We just want this waiting to be over. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I've got no energy for anything else. Until this is sorted, I'm out of here. And that seeps into our lives. That I will serve God but only when he gets me out of this place. I will be useful to God, but only when this roadblock is over. God, you can use me, but I'm only going to let you do that if you get me out of the mess that we're in right now. And that comes in all kinds of ways. God, I'm going to serve you, but first I need to retire because I'll have more time. Nervous giggling from all those who are retired who've got no time at all. I'm really going to serve you, but first, may the children be a little bit older. I'm really going to serve you when the business is established, or when my job is more secure, when that promotion comes off, when the garden is finished, when my house is redecorated. And God says, no, serve me now, right here. Right now, in this very moment. Because it's an illusion, isn't it? The illusion is this, that if we're not serving God now, we probably won't serve him then. If we're not serving him now, we probably won't serve him then. We're moving house. We're not. This is just an example. We're moving house. Sorry, darling. I would have let you know. You find that sermons are a nightmare because you say things that you think, I should have shared that with my wife. 
Uh, so it's just an illustration. We're not moving house, but we're moving house, and we're so excited about moving house because we're going to be really missional in our new neighborhood. Let me let you into a secret. If you're not very missional now, you probably won't be very missional then. When we get the house all decorated and that extension done and everything sorted out, we're going to open our house for God and God can use our house in whichever way he wants. If you're not letting God use your house now, you're not likely to let him use it then, especially when the cream shag pile carpet has been laid in the hallway. Just saying. Apologies to those who've just laid a cream shag pile carpet in the hallway. If you're waiting for a particular season to end before you really invest in your kids and you're not fighting to invest in them now, do you know when that season ends? There's something about the wait. Something about what God's asking us to do in the waiting that is really important in his agenda. The saints of old described it as doing the duty that lies nearest. That lies nearest. I dare you to ask, in the place where all you want for that place is to get out of it, I dare you to ask, in that place that you are longing to leave, God, this question, what do you want me to do right here? Right now. Joseph learned to serve God in the midst of the waiting and it became a springboard into all that God would do with him later. Because thirdly, remember God is preparing you. God is preparing you. What Joseph was learning in prison, he would one day lead out with in the palace. What service he offered now in private he would one day offer on the public stage. And it was not just about tasks. God was preparing Joseph in the tasks, for sure. The tasks of service, of learning to interpret dreams, of standing up for God in a foreign land, in a foreign culture. There were all kinds of tasks that Joseph was learning. But the deeper, bigger, better preparation is not the task, but the heart. And as we'll see as we journey on in this series, a little teaser for the rest of you, we're going to see how God was doing something in Joseph's heart. And you'll know that, won't you? You'll know there have been times in your life when you've gone through a real struggle. Perhaps you you had uh, trouble with your health or you needed to have an operation and you had to step out and slow down and you just got stuck for a while. We've all had those kind of seasons. And actually in those seasons when all the things that we normally trust in and all the things that keep our lives moving on are stripped away, we learn a trust in God that we never would have otherwise learnt. Anyone know what I'm talking about? In that place, when the things are stripped away, just over 25 years ago, a few months before Kerry and I were about to get married, the rug of our future plans was suddenly ripped away from underneath us. We were hurled, literally, into a prison of waiting. Uh, And we didn't expect it, we didn't anticipate it, we didn't understand where it had come from in that moment, or even why it was there. Uh, And I would have tried anything to get out of that prison of waiting. But as we spent a year or so in that waiting room, 
we learned some things. We learned what it was to pray and to fast on a regular basis. We learned what it was to trust in God when it doesn't look like God is even there. We learned what it was to live as though God is all you've got because God in the end was all we had. And what God does in us in these moments is often way more important than what God does through us. So where are we? Number one, remember, God never forgets. Most of you had forgotten already. That's kind of awkward. It's a nice little pun, isn't it? Nice little tease. You know, you'd forgotten that God never forgets. See what it did there? Remember, number two, God has plans for you in the waiting. There are things to do right now. And remember, God is preparing you. Learn to lean into what God wants to teach you. And fourthly, remember God has a better plan for you anyway. Ooh, a few people got a little release of emotion then. God has a better plan for you anyway. You see, all that Joseph could think about was getting out of the prison. Do you know what? God wasn't remotely interested in getting Joseph out of the prison. What was God interested in? God was interested in getting Joseph into the palace. But that wasn't even on Joseph's agenda. Every day I'm sure, God, get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here. God's going, that's not the problem. I have a much bigger purpose for you. Forget about the prison. You're on your way to the palace. And maybe in your waiting, you're pushing, you're shoving, you're striving, you're struggling. You just want to get things back on track. You just want to get back to where you were. You just want to get going on the same road. And God says, stop. Take a deep breath. Stop wriggling out of this moment. Because I have a bigger, better, greater plan for you anyway. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A bigger, better greater plan. Imagine if for a moment, as Joseph tried to take the matter into his own hands and he says to the cupbearer, go on, make sure when you get to ferry you remember me. Imagine if the cupbearer had remembered and went to Pharaoh. You know there's an Israelite slave in prison, he wants to get out. What would Pharaoh have done? Carried on eating his meal. What, what would Pharaoh have cared? And what would Joseph have done anyway? even if he had got out of prison at that moment, stranded in Egypt. Don't be so short-sighted to fight your own way out of this waiting time, only to end up back where you once started. God has a bigger, better, greater plan. And in the fullness of time, Pharaoh began to dream. And the cupbearer went, "Uh uh-huh, I remember someone who can help with dreams. And suddenly, almost from nowhere, the future breaks in. See the new thing that God is longing to do. 
Streams in the desert, the Bible says. Do you perceive it? Do you see it? Are you so busy fighting your way out of your waiting season that you haven't yet seen the new thing that God has for you? And at the right time, suddenly, and that's the final point for this morning, it'll say number six, but it'll really only be number five. Just cause. God will suddenly bring things into being. Don't you love that? Suddenly, after a long wait, suddenly, when God gets going, he's on the move and nothing stops him. And I love the way that the chapters 39 and chapters 40 and the first part of chapter 41, they're all dragging. They're going on and on and on and nothing much is happening and Joseph is just hanging about. It's all unfair and he's waiting. But then suddenly... The prisoner that didn't need to shave suddenly needs to shave. The prisoner who was dressed all in rags suddenly needs a robe to put on. Suddenly needs to get his hair done because he's on his way. And within a matter of moments, he's gone from prison to palace because that's what God does. Good Friday, Easter Sunday, it's all there. It takes God moments. I thought that was marginally encouraging. In the twinkling of an eye, God will do it. And we we feel like God must have his hands tied behind his back and God's going, how am I going to get Joseph out of prison? I didn't mean it to be like this. It's all gone wrong. What am I going to do? Then suddenly God breaks through. And that suddenly is just a moment away. God's time has come. And now my time is done. Even though God's time has come. I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know the agony of what's going on in your hearts today. The things that you've longed for for years. The things that you've pushed down and pushed aside. Things that are too painful sometimes to bring to the fore. But I believe these words are words of promise for you today. Hear this from Isaiah. I think we've got it on the screen, haven't we? Isaiah chapter 30. Whatever you are longing for, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Or the more well-known verse, next slide. Those who hope, those who wait on the Lord, say it together, will renew their strength. What will they do? They'll soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. So I invite you, next slide, verse 19 of chapter 43, I invite you to see the new thing God is doing. Do you perceive it? Do you see it even in your, the, 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 your faith imagination? What God is longing to do. And as you begin to see the call that God still has on your life to rise to that place of great influence, just like Joseph, as you long for it, may you know the truth of this command. Wait for the Lord. Wait, last slide. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord.